This is Silly Punks. This episode, Red Pill or Blue Pill. In this edition of the Cinepunk podcast, with Matrix Resurrections, the fourth instalment in the legendary series playing out on global cinema screens and streaming service HBO Max in the US, we escape our current pandemic-ridden landscape and head straight into the rabbit hole once again. In 1999, cinema goers the world over were first presented with a decision that would change the language of how we understand existence. We could choose to take a blue pill and continue to live in acceptance of the status quo, or we could take a red pill and wake to the reality of our true selves. Such was the crucial decision left to Mr. Thomas Anderson in the Wachowski's iconic picture, The Matrix. Over 20 years later, and the film's creators have declared The Matrix story to be an allegory for the transsexual experience, and yet it preaches a message which has been seized upon by many from all walks of life from disparate religious, social and political positions. Which of us hasn't questioned our existence and its meaning and pondered the nature of dreams? Hi, I'm your host, Robert J.E. Simpson, and I'm joined in studio tonight by Ben Simpson. Hello. And Mr. Neil Sedgwick. How's it going? He's so laid back. <laughs> you, get, you get him to officially join us as, as, as one of us now, and he's like, yeah, just take it all on my stride. <laughs> um, so just from the off, I will say to our listeners and our viewers that this is a, a bit of a rare thing for us. We've done a re-record. Um, which we never do um, on the show. We we tend to kind of have a conversation and we go straight on with it. Now, Ben suggested that we cover The Matrix. He's quite keen that we do it, so we'll get into that in a wee second. Um, but we recorded a version of this a few days ago, and we weren't happy with the way it went. We were up against some pressures of time, but we weren't really kind of exploring some of the stuff that was, was tickling our fancy. And we've done a rare thing. We've all collectively gone off and watched the film again and come back. So... From the off, folks, if you haven't seen Matrix Resurrections, please go and watch it before you listen to the rest of this podcast, because there will be spoilers ahead. It is unavoidable. Um, but also be aware that any of the conversation that we have tonight isn't informed just by our first viewing. It's informed by repeated viewing. And again, that is something that we don't always get a chance to do. So there is a little bit more information, I think, that we were able to tease out. He says that. Let's see how this goes over the next hour or so. <laughs> so, um, Ben, you suggested that we cover Matrix uh, Resurrections. Yeah. I suppose the, the question maybe to, to start off with is is why the interest? And also, how did you come to the Matrix in the first place? I mean, were you ready for a, a revisit at this stage? You mean, was I ready for a fourth movie? Yeah, I mean, was it? T- I mean, did you feel that twenty years was enough time to pop back into the into the Matrix, or could you have happily left it for another twenty, or indeed never gone back? To be honest, um, whenever um, obviously I seen I seen the first one, I can't even remember how I seen it. I think I I watched a movie of it, you know, like went down to Extra Vision or something like that one one night uh, on a Friday after after school with with mum and. You know, the way we used to do those movie nights mm-hmm. on a Friday um, after school. I think we watched it then. Not 100%, um, but I don't remember going to the cinema for any of them. Mm. Um, so I think it was all sort of either that or I went away and and found it myself mm. and, and watched it. Um, but 
whenever like I, I rewatched all three of them, uh, the first three again, mm-hmm. um, because I, I, you know, I heard that there was going to be a fourth one. And I was like, man, I, I really want to go see that in the cinema. Before watching it, I watched all three of them. I, w- I watched them while I was in isolation, mm-hmm. uh, um, which was a good time to watch anyway because it's quite long. If you're going to marathon all all three of them, even this fourth one, um, it's it was quite long too. Um, but I haven't watched it again. The 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 latest one, like um, I have to say, I I did enjoy it. Um, the reason why I wanted to do it. Uh, or suggested it in the in the first place is because of um, you know its impending arrival, mm. um, and I thought it would be a good thing for us to look at, considering you know it's it's um, sort of forward leading uh, take that it it took in in movies and and the ideas that it generated, mm-hmm. you know, with uh, certain cinematography and um even cgi stuff that they sort of help sort of pioneer uh a way forward in that direction so you know i thought it would be a good thing and then obviously after it coming out and then hearing some mixed reviews i thought it would be important for us to have a look at are you suggesting, Ben, that, that there was potential for us to have conflict over this film well <laughs> n- Yes, or at least at least talk about it in a way that you know we at Cinepunk like to do. You know, we don't. I, I I think that we don't just come at it at one one angle. There's many different angles that we come come at a movie, um, a, a viewing of a movie, or even talking about a movie at. So I thought it would be the prime candidate for us to do such a thing. I, I guess that's something else that we should, I, I'm going to acknowledge from our our conversation the other day was that. We finished up that session sort of with the idea that the film was trying to tell us something. And it's like, okay, let's go back and watch the film again with the knowledge that it's trying to tell us something and see where it goes. Now, we'll, we'll come to that shortly. Um, I'll also kind of note uh, that if you're in the US, this has been on streaming services online. In the UK, it was released as a cinema exclusive, and there were issues about that. It's also been one of the most pirated films ever and has brought an end, apparently, to... Uh, warner brothers dual approach which they've used during the pandemic to release stuff on in cinemas and on streaming services at the same time but folks wherever you are i mean you know it, it is still playing in cinemas as we record this so if you can get yourselves out to a big cinema screen and, and and just be blown away by it i might actually go watch it for a third time in the cinema if i can get a chance even better yeah um neil how about how about you how did you come to the, the matrix first I didn't see the first one in the cinema. Um, I there was a lot of hype around it mm. um, at the time, and I picked up a DVD when DVD eventually came out. Watched it and loved it. There was also a lot of negative press around the first time around to do with that um, that lobby scene and that kind of trench coat um, and all the guns and stuff. Mm-hmm. In unfortunate timing, with a lot of um, school shootings in america there was a few where they basically used that first matrix as a bit of a you know well the kids are watching this this is what we're going to get you know Mm -hmm. that type of messaging which is really unfortunate um but yeah, the, the well, first... it, was, it was Columbine was was nineteen ninety nine as well, mm-hmm. um, with the trench coat mafia, so called. 
Yeah. Um. So obviously th- that happened. I mean, j- j- I mean, Ben. I don't even know if you remember this. It was as a major school shooting. It also influenced the film Elephant that we talked about on one of our early, uh, one of our earliest live events. There's a podcast out about it too. The Gus Van Sant uh, film and also the uh, Alan Clark Northern Irish set original. Um. But if you, if, you know. That obviously had a huge impact then. So for for those of you who maybe are too young to remember this stuff, that film came out. Columbine happens at the same time. Trench coats were central to these sort of massacre things. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, really, really, really unfortunate. Um, but I remember it, it kind of in some ways when those things happen, they create even more hype mm. for a film um, mm-hmm. in the sense of, if you don't know about the Matrix film and then that event happens, a talking head pops up on the news and goes, well, the Matrix influenced this clearly. You go, well, what is the Matrix? I need to see that. Um, so there is a bit of that kind of spin that happens with these things, unfortunately. But yeah, so the first one, I absolutely loved it. I saw the second and third one in the cinema mm-hmm. um, because of my love for the first one. The second one, Matrix uh, Reloaded has a cliffhanger at the end that is one of the few times in in recent memory where I've kind of gone, oh my goodness, I have to see the third one of this. And then the third film, Matrix Revolutions, is a massive disappointment in, in terms of that original trilogy. Um, there's just a lot of clanging and banging of shooting of machines and it, it becomes essentially more of a war film Whereas the, the first two, while they have their action, there's still a lot of the philosophical um, meanderings about what is reality, what is real, mm. what does it mean to be human? And the third one just goes, I all that stuff, but also, <coughs> like, you know, like in, on a massive, massive scale. Um, I like you wouldn't do the noise for Transformers transforming, but you will happily do the sound of a machine gun. <laughs> terribly, terribly. Um, and, I, I have always loved them. And like Ben, I did a rewatch of the three within within 24 hours, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there's a bit of diminishing returns from those uh, first couple of sequels. But when you so were you them, ready then to go back into a fourth one? Or, not or necessarily, no. I think, I think there's enough of a flow and enough of a cutoff point at the end of the third one to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If that if that book doesn't get opened again, I'm okay. I'd be happy. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But yeah. I didn't. When whenever they announced that a fourth one was happening, I didn't have a a visceral reaction of oh no, you can't do that because that that's perfect and you should never go back and blah blah. Like a lot of you know you see a mm. lot of this, particularly in film Twitter, where it's like oh you shouldn't touch that. It's perfect as it is. Leave it alone. Blah blah blah. And it's like I I still have enough. Um, time and affection for the characters and also the concepts and the ideas to go the the ideas in play Mm -hmm. are particularly interesting enough to go well where do you go now and it is left open at the end of the third one where you have uh santine say to the oracle you know will we ever see him again Mm. and the oracle says i think we absolutely will I'm paraphrasing there. Forgive me for the purists who love an exact quote, but that's that's the vibe at the end of it. We were afraid we might not find you. Everything's okay now. Look, look! Just 
through that. For now. That's nice. I know he'd love it. Will we ever see him again? I suspect so. Someday. But again, close the book and it doesn't really matter if you don't, but equally there's a there's a chink of light there that you can get through to mm-hmm. something new, which is which is where we land. And uh, I went to see it in cinema and I tweeted as soon as it finished, this gave me all my cinema going vitamins. You did say that. I remember reading that. <laughs> I had a great time. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really clever. It had good action. It had all that thought and pondering back that I really enjoy. Um, so I'm glad it's here. I, I didn't necessarily need it, but I'm mm. glad it's here. And I've watched it twice. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it says a lot. Um, I, I, I suppose in, in the interest of fairness, I should sort of explain myself. I didn't see it when it initially came out. And actually just double checking there, Columbine happened exactly just a month before Matrix hit cinema screens in the US so mm. I I do not remember the connection between those two but it strikes me that there must have been one um, which is, is fascinating looking back after 20 years um, but I uh, I didn't see it when it hit the cinema screens initially I, I wasn't very good at going to the cinema when I was 18 um, just because I couldn't afford it I was a poor person um, and I'd spent my money on DVDs and videos and stuff instead of going to the cinema because I wanted to keep films not, not just the same ones um, so I think it was when I was at uni um, I, was, I must have probably been towards the third one coming out and a friend of mine lent me the DVD because he, he loved it and talked about it all the time I think that's what happened and I watched it and it was okay but I felt very underwhelmed I didn't really get what all the fuss was about and then I didn't see the second one and I think I must have seen the third one in a cinema and I really wasn't taken with it and obviously because I'd missed the second one some of the plotting didn't necessarily make sense to me Um, so it's taken me until just before Christmas to rewatch the trilogy and finally watch it back to back and kind of make sense of the whole thing. And I felt that the criticisms that come in for the sequels, it's probably not as deserved. I mean, they definitely, it is, they are not as powerful as the first one. The first one, even 23 years later, still feels like quite an inventive, quite an original, quite a, a groundbreaking film. Two and three, you feel a bit like, okay there's a bit more sci-fi um which and it feels a bit more like it's a tradi- it feels more like an alien film which i kind of for me is deeply unsatisfying i find all that stuff still my least in the least interesting bits about it when they're in the matrix i am happy when they're out of the matrix i am not happy and going into the fourth i feel exactly the same now, I, I mean, I was quite happy to see a fourth one. Um, I was I was curious whenever they announced that it was happening. And then the same friend who lent me the DVD, actually, lucky little shit that he is, um, had to deliver a costume to the set of The Matrix. Took it from Northern Ireland to go to San Francisco just to deliver a costume. Um, this was just before the first of the lockdowns. And I was so jealous, but it's like there's this, this sort of Matrix-y connection. Um... And uh, yeah, no, I mean, like it's it's an interesting film. I'm I'm happy to have seen it. I've got a lot more of it seeing a second time. Um, um, there's a lot of stuff in it that I find quite interesting. We can't see it, but we're all trapped inside these strange repeating loops. Billions of people just living out their lives, oblivious. 
but this is the moment for you to show us what is real. I remember this. So deja vu. And yet it's obviously all wrong. Maybe this isn't the story we think it is. They taught you good. Made you believe their world was all you deserved. But some part of you knew that was a lie. Some part of you remembered what was real. It's so easy to forget how much noise the Matrix pumps into your head. Something else makes the same kind of noise. War. choice in Neo's life. It's not his to make. She believed in me. It's my turn to believe in her. Part of me feels like I have been waiting my whole life for you. If you want to see Trinity again, fight for her! the first thing that always strikes me is is sort of the religious elements of it you know the, there's a very definite religious plotting um that still feels there and i guess that's the inevitability if you take him as a kind of christ-like figure which he is he's like a superhero christ you know when you talk about kevin smith's buddy christ yay i mean it's like <laughs> buddy christ with the power to like move entire things you know like hey um yeah my turn to do noises um I mean that that's kind of how it feels and then obviously when he dies I mean the inevitability of a Christ-like figure is Christ has to be resurrected in order for the story to progress and for for meaning to be found so it always felt like that would happen I just didn't think it would take 20 years or 60 years in the narrative of the film um yeah can I, can I tell you a funny story about how Christians tried to manipulate the matrix please do Neil um so I was Neil, at- Neil Sedgwick from Films and Faith yeah the- <laughs> The, the lapsed so, some people dear listener will tell you I'm completely lapsed and an absolute heretic so you're, you're, strap you're in because here a backslider who has no right to say anything <laughs> about faith now is not it I in some quarters uh, I was at an event um, mm-hmm. not long after me probably 2000 let's, let's say in around 2000 at a, at a large scale Christian event where they showed the clip of the original pill moment you know take the red pill take the blue pill and then this became watered down into um, accepting 
Jesus as your Lord and Savior. At which point, people appeared with sorted buckets of Smarties into red and blue. And dear love them, whoever, like I will say this, whoever sorted the Smarties into red and blue, bless your good intentioned hearts, um, because that must have been horrendous. But they brought these around then and gave these to you as an offering to, you know, come to Christianity, a, a real come to Jesus moment. So they, they clipped that bit out and they used it as this. I took a, a handful of blue Smarties and put them in my mouth. Um, even though, <laughs> even though I had um, been a Christian from 16, but I just, I felt it was such emotional manipulation. I just wanted to look in the eyes of the person holding the bucket and just kind of go, um, nom, 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 like that to let them know how annoyed I was by the whole thing. Because when you clip something like that, well, you take it out of context. You take it completely out of context. It doesn't tell the whole story. It doesn't do anything. It just suits your narrative. Um, yeah. And it's something that has actually happened recently with all these Matrix films, Red and Blue Pill, um, mm. in terms of COVID and taking your vaccine or not. And, you know, wake up to the reality around you and all this here. And it's it's a it's a really dangerous thing to do with anything. Um, mm. Films, music. Or, or dare I suggest Bible verses to just clip them and use them to fit the the message you're putting out there. But yeah, what, 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 there is there is obviously that um, that that savior narrative that that yeah. uh, Messiah bit that's in it. Um, yeah, but Neo's killer because as far as I know, Jesus never flew. So. <laughs> You know, I don't. I don't have it. Like I'm, I mean, like I say, I'm, 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 I'm decried as a heretic in some quarters. But getting um, burnt for blasphemy now. You know, well, there was, there was. Well, to be fair, there was an ascension thing. Not to get into theology too far. There was an ascension, but you know, not kind of punch to the ground and zoom up into the air, looking awesome. I don't know. I mean, just because they didn't describe it like that. I mean, paper was a was a, a limited resource back then. I mean, I can't maybe, tell. We weren't there exactly. Any, I mean, maybe, maybe he did did it like Neo. Um, I mean, I love the idea of of sort of. I I, I find it fascinating that there is this kind of uh, position where you've either got to take the pill or you're not going to take the pill, um, and that by taking it, you're somehow being counter uh, that you're being the bold one by by kind of going against reality by your by experiencing your own reality, um, and going against the flow. And then what you have done in that moment is to kind of do the opposite, which is like, well, if everybody's doing that, then surely to take the other thing is what is in fact the going against the flow. It's an act of independence. It's a really strange one. And the manipulation that there's been with it in terms of the politics and, and, and COVID and all the rest of it, like, you know, which who who really are the sheeple? Are the sheeple the people that take the red pill or are they the people that take the blue pill? that's that's something that actually comes up in the conversation where and again typical us like we're jumping all over the place but you have this so you want me to do this linearly <laughs> you have within matrix Resonances, never this character bugs who is is wonderful by the mm. way um and she talks about the moment she was presented with the pill mm. and she says and again, I'm paraphrasing, but something along the lines of I was presented these two pills as the only possible option. And the woman laughed at me because the choice was already made. 
mm-hmm. you know, something along those lines. And it's like the choice isn't choice isn't anything to do with the actual pill. The pill, the pill isn't the the gateway, I suppose. It's a it's a visual representation, mm. but it's actually the human will to move to an acceptance of being within a matrix that takes you out of it. It's got it. So, what, so the pill's a placebo. Well, what I that's what I felt she was saying in that moment that the pill actually doesn't matter because you've already made the choice. Mm. The choice will already be known. Um, so it's a it's a question of in some ways awakening consciousness rather than anything medical that the pill does mm. to do that. Or at least that's what I that's what I took from that moment. So I mean we we've we've given the the, the episode title Red Pill or Blue Pill because I think it is a fundamental um moment that defines the matrix just as much as bullet time. I think there's two things bullet time and the red pill blue pill and that central conceit seems to be the thing that everything else hangs upon about our acceptance of our reality or not. Um I wanna kinda get into that a little bit further um in terms of well i mean presented with that situation yourselves i mean which which pill do you take ben do you take the red pill or the blue pill oh geez yes we're doing philosophy today (laughs) (laughs) accept truth Mm. or deny truth which is the truth though i mean is there not a question within this in terms of what actually is truth well, in in this movie, like um, you know, Neo, it does come up about choices and options and mm-hmm. what is reality. Um, it's referenced numerous times. More um, yep. Morpheus uh, in this movie, um, fake Morpheus, fake Morpheus. Um, uh, you know, con- constantly says, you know, there. That's not much of an option um he, he says that a couple of times uh neo whenever um you know he's being escorted by shepherd to to his little room um shepherd says to neo you know oh, i can't believe you're real mm-hmm. and neo says oh there's that word again yeah you know um yeah it's like well what is real is is the matrix real is it not is outside of the matrix real? Is it not? Is it a matrix within a matrix within a matrix? You know, I think that's up to the individual. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, what state their mind is in. Obviously, you know, Neo in this is being tormented by his past. So he thinks he's going crazy. Um, from the get-go and first time he sees Morpheus to go you're not real I programmed you you know Mm. said well touch me here I am obviously you know he's touching him in the matrix but he was in his matrix that he created Mm -hmm. you know so it's like it's there's different layers of reality here and you know so you don't know which pill you want to take? <laughs> I'll take both of them. Just give me them both. <laughs> the purple pill. <laughs> the purple pill, exactly. <laughs> I want to stay here, but give me an itty bit of truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, that question about truth, though, is one that I think this film does explore a lot. And I think watching this the second time, um, I was much more conscious of that element of truth also within the sense of, of sort of trans identity. Potentially, now, I mean, I, I we, we've sort of, we had, we, we've agreed within ourselves that we are not the people really to explore trans issues within this film because we are not, the three of us are not trans. Um, nonetheless, it is something that the Wachowskis have come out and said The Matrix is about. And so therefore we would be completely disingenuous of us if we said that there's no, tra- to, to, to completely ignore the trans issues. Um but in sense of an identity, in sense of, of who you are and how you navigate the world, um, it's it's like the, 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 those two realities are not necessarily separate. They they coexist. Um, there's that point where in the film um, they talk about the building of Io. You know, Zion basically was a was a world in which us and them existed. It was us and then the simulants, but Io could only exist with the two coming together and it's like for me that 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 whole element is like you need the two worlds in order to be able to function and as a human being and as a trans person you know it's it's not a denial of either aspect of oneself it's a kind of acceptance that those two things do coexist um maybe we can tease that out during the rest of this conversation but i, I think for me uh which pill would i take <sighs> i don't know i quite like the idea i mean i, I I think the idea of the red pill is that we we don't really like our current existence and we're convinced that there's something more and where the red pill exists in a sort of to represent religion or politics or or, or whatever else maybe I'd like a little bit of it maybe like Ben I think the purple pill is the the way to go yeah Neil <laughs> I'm a I'm a red pillar um, <laughs> I I would like to get to the truth um and be able to do all the cool flips <laughs> why walk <laughs> why walk around in the world why just plod down like great victoria street when you could run up the side of a building to go around people in the street do you know what i mean like why would you why would you not want to do that yeah um, i <laughs> oh this it's really busy in this aisle four of tesco the frozen food just punch down into the ground zoom up and go to the toiletries why would you not want to be able to do that um, yeah, but you have to be the one to be able to do that though well do you yes neil there's never question neil doesn't believe in the one yes but he other said, people I mean, did he, he affirms it in this film though he never believed in the one other people believe which is again very christ-like it's like you know yeah. I am who you say I am or whatever the exact phrasing is. It's like Jesus himself never sort of says, yes, I'm the Messiah. It's not for him to say that. Other people say it. he, it's almost like there's a, an element of like, I'm not a hundred percent on board with this. So I, I had this thought today that, uh, original Morpheus Lawrence Fishburne mm-hmm. is as much the one as Neo is or, or arguably Trinity, which we'll get to later. Mm-hmm. But without the incredible belief of Morpheus that Neo is the one, mm-hmm. Neo never becomes the one. Yeah, but he starts to believe. So is he's beginning Morpheus, to believe? Morpheus mm-hmm. has to be at least part of the one in order to be the catalyst for that belief. Well, he's John the Baptist, isn't he? You know what I mean. Yeah, well, yeah, if you're going to go down the biblical route, probably. I I, I feel like we can't I've come to prepare the way. 
that's sticking. But th- but that is that is Morpheus. I mean, that is essentially what he does. I mean, he tells everybody he is convinced of this. He preaches the truth of the one. Oh, gosh, um, <laughs> I didn't I didn't plan on this being so religiously oh. heavy. But it's just like the more I've pondered about this over the last few days, the more obvious it is that this is that the religious allegory is as important as the trans allegory is important as anything else, um, which creates its own fascinating kind of prospects. But but leave that for somebody else to get into but if, if if that's his job i mean then yes i mean does does the one have to exist is the one um an actual physical personification or is it like the pill is it you know is, is it simply a way of thinking that enables you to be able to to achieve whatever it is you have to do for yeah. for yourselves or or can we all be the one in our own way so to, well, i'm definitely one to, i'm definitely <laughs> a right one um they so they uh one one of the parallels about this because one, one of the comments about this film is that it has retreaded an awful lot and just swapped characters around and redone mm. the first film and the the parallel to that i suppose is the recent star wars films and when you get into those recent star wars films there is the 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 thing that annoyed a lot of people was the possibility that, well, you know, everybody could have a wee bit of force in them if they just kind of click into the right energy or get the mm-hmm. vibes right. You know, there's the, there's the potential for anybody to have the force within them. The force lies within everybody. You have to tap into it. So to flip back to the matrix, then it, it is possible to, um, kind of put into that context that everybody has the potential to be the one because everybody has certain abilities within it. Mm. So everybody who plugs in gets to do all the cool flips and the Kung Fu and all the rest of it that we assume prior to that, they never could. Mm -hmm. They don't quite get to do it to the same extent. They don't quite get to do the same things, but they have abilities. They are told they download all these programs and all this stuff. But in in the in the search for truth, do they, or have they just tapped into something that, that was already there? Yeah, that is already there. Mm. Now I have a bucket of blue Smarties and Reds. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it it. Uh... I mean, it's an interesting one because obviously, you know, for us to say that the, the Matrix is the fiction and the re- and the other world is their reality, um, is a bit I think misleading because there's a very clear connection between those two worlds. Uh, you see them. Phys- I mean, they physically interface with that world. I mean, they sp- the the spike that they get into their skulls physically connects them. But whenever they get beaten up or killed in the Matrix, you see them suffering yeah. corresponding injuries in the real world this isn't a psychosomatic psychological thing this is something that's that is a physical visceral reaction um so which is the reality i mean i, f- I find that slightly more blurred than they would like us to believe yeah like it, it could completely melt your head this is where this idea of um i think part of the trans allegory lives within the binary choices Mm. of this film. So a traditionalist view would be, you've got a binary choice here. 
you're one or you're the other. Mm. And the truth is, no, that's that's not how it works in some mm. cases. And so I think you're right. I think there's a lot of stuff in here around what is the binary? What is truth? What is false? What is real? What is virtual? What is... Um, what is physical, what is mental. There's a lot, the whole way through all these films, binary choices are being played with and explored and stretched to to help parse out that trans allegory, which I'm very conscious, I'm probably not explaining very well, and I'm not the guy to do it, but forgive my garbled... Um, kind of minimalization of anything mm. within within that world um but that's <clears throat> something it's something that and particularly in this uh final movie i think the the bi- like i mean he's building a game called binary for goodness sake the whole thing <laughs> is like yelling down the camera at you about this stuff and it not uh, when i say yelling down the camera at you i don't mean in a shoving it down your throat way i think mm. it is it is and again this might come from from the the benefits of a rewatch and and a fairly close back-to-back rewatch but it is telling you things the whole way through this film to try and explain explain itself to you if you choose to, to if you choose to tune into it but what we find on the internet is that people go, oh, it's all woke, lefty, liberal crap and nonsense and blah, 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 blah. And they've just shut off any, because they, they've picked their binary position on it. Mm-hmm. It's lefty, liberal, wokeism. I'm out. And the truth is that when you actually are prepared to explore and expand your, your vision or your understanding or your learning, you're going to find so many more layers to not just this film, any film, for example. You know, well, that's let me just jump off on 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 that. So, um, first of all, I mean, you you've just made a point about uh, there is stuff there that 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 is teaching us or telling us. Now, one of the things we talked about the other day when when we three were chatting together, um, was about the idea that this film is trying to tell us something. Like Ben, in particular, I think you had a bit of a an eye opener moment at the end of our last conversation. Um and and went back into this with the, with the knowledge that there is a message in here. If, 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 what what is the second experience of the film done for you in terms of your understanding of it? Um, well, uh, I really did see that whole social, uh, media sort of aspect of things like shine through. But then I got um like little other things like. Like the rant that your man goes on whenever uh, Neo comes back into the Matrix after being freed and he meets Sage and Smith or or Smith and Smith goes, you know, I've brought somebody with you and the French guy comes out. I can't remember um, his name. The, what is it? Yeah. um, That guy and your man, he's, spitting out all this stuff about, you know, you and your bloody games and, you know, people are just tap, tap, tapping. Um, mm. And, you know, 
we used to have conversation and books and and good movies and original ideas. You know, it it's like it's really meta. Um, he also it, music. I don't no, no, I don't think so. But like you know, you think about it, like people really. If you look at it from from uh, your own personal stance, um, some people are hooked on on social media mm. and video games, myself included. Like you know, I use video games as an uh, an escape from reality. You know, I'll tune out of the real world and go into my little matrix, just sitting right here, this little white box. Um, you know who? Um, I held up a controller for all you people listening. Um, you know that that's my matrix. You know I I I, I enjoy going into those worlds and 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 playing around with that. Um, I, the same could be said about you know social media. People that just sit constantly flick all day long. You know, back like even whenever I was a child, like before the mobile phone. Um, like whenever you met up with a friend, you used to actually play with each other and use your imagination and, you know, like mess about with little figures and things like that. And mm. nowadays, like kids don't really do that. They don't, they just video game or, or, you know, sit in front of dirge on TV and they, they don't activate their brains in the same way that. There's not the same social interaction. It's, yeah. it's screen based and it's also um, Yeah. At a remove, I guess. Is that yeah. what we're saying? Like that, even books, like you know, there's there's lots of kids but a lot more kids not choosing to read books and using other medias, you know, mm-hmm. um like YouTube, you know, like back back in the day you to learn something you used to have to go and, and read read about it. Now you can watch uh, you know, a ten-minute YouTube video or a three-minute YouTube video on something that you need to, you know, it's kind of like that whole sitting in the chair, plugging in this thing in the back of your head, and hey, I'm going to learn kung fu. I'll watch a YouTube video. So you know, pa- passive. I think is 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 maybe the word that we're looking for. It's a passive experience now rather than a uh, an active one. Yeah, like you know, um. You know, there's there's parallels with like what's actually going on right now, um, like in that guy's rant. You know, well, I can I can see see things that I was like, I don't. After watching it a second time, I was like, you know, yeah, we did just that books, good books, oh. and original ideas, and good movies, and people used to talk. Now. Yeah, maybe people talk, but they do it through a mobile phone, spitting venom on you know tweets and things like that. And you know, yeah, you know, I can I can relate what that guy's trying to say after watching it a second time. Yeah, you know, I'm like, yeah, he's he's right. We did used to be able to be social and and read a book and and all that stuff. He also makes a great comment when he's leaving. Once that yeah. fight sequence is over, he leaves and he says something like about. I'm I'm off to I'm off to get my spin off or something. No. <laughs> is, it, is it just a throwaway line at the end of that which really tickled me when I rewatched it? The deja vu is usually a glitch in the matrix. It happens when they change something. It happens when they change something. 
isn't the story we think it is. Kind of aware how how kind of matrix like our passive experiences right now then with us sitting here chatting away via screens and people <laughs> passively absorbing all this information by listening to it on their listening headphones as they walk down the streets on their iphones yeah. uh we, we have indeed entered matrix land um th- there's a hell of a lot to kind of tease out within this film um so one of the things i think we we, we probably need to discuss i mean it being cinepunk it would be be wrong of us not to is the element of nostalgia um i mean we've talked a little bit about like were we ready to come back to this but the repetition of the first film which i think neil you've mentioned already yeah um is is obviously something that and, and we've talked as well about star wars a little bit about how, how some of those films have, have been criticized for their aping of the the original narratives i mean how does this make you feel how does this make you feel ben i mean as, as somebody who who games and who games reboots um to actually basically go and do the same film all over again or do you not feel we've just done the same film all over again <clears throat> it's that well even, even morpheus says like you know a bit of nostalgia is good for the mind you know um paraphrasing um and he he says that in, the, in this movie you know yeah uh whenever he's trying to get neo to accept that you know all this crazy stuff in your head is actually real you know i we thought that would bring you back to a scenario where you were more comfortable you know, the first time he meets Morpheus and he has that conversation in the hotel room mm-hmm. or, or abandoned house or whatever it was. But then they're in a theater and there's the, the game playing in the background. Like, um, reboots, uh, remakes, you know, there's different types. So you've got your graphical enhanced versions um, where they change all the assets, which... You look at this, it's kind of like that. Mm-hmm. But then there's the remakes, which re-envision the game, add new things. Mm-hmm. And I think this is more of a remake rather than a remaster. Right? right. So re- a remaster would be just taking the same thing and retexturing it, upgrading the textures, you know, make it look sharper. Mm. It does that, but it does a little bit more than that, um, in my opinion, this movie. Um, you know, there, there is we, we bits that it adds in, um, looks at it from a different angle compared to the old movies or older movies. Um, so I don't think it's a straight, you know, carbon copy, um, just updated version. You know, I think there's, there's a little bit of difference in this one. I mean, it's a blurring that seems to be common with a lot of these sort of revisited franchises, especially when there's been a massive gap. Because, I mean, I suppose part of the reason that we end up retreading stuff is because when you've got a franchise that hasn't had a sequel for 
20 years or 30 yeah. years or yeah. if you were Mary Poppins 50 years 60 years um people want to kind of be reminded of the thing that that they loved about the first time round um in order for them to accept anything new in order for them to accept casting changes which this film has an abundance of yeah uh, which sort of annoy the hell out of me um the analyst in this himself even references on this as nothing eases anxiety like a little nostalgia you know as he's about to to do i think it's i think it's him says it when he's about to do things to 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 blow away um uh, the, the trinity or tiffany when he's teasing him in the workshop yeah you know it's like we, we deliberately replay this stuff in order that you feel slightly better about it mm-hmm. and i think that 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 is also quite knowing it's again it's this whole meta about the film where where they're aware that people were coming back to the matrix with a little bit of anxiety a little bit of anxiety about the fact that this was a film that they loved that then had a couple of sequels that they didn't love so much a little bit of anxiety about the fact that that not both the wachowskis are involved it's only lana this time around and even the fact that the Wachowskis themselves were not the Wachowskis that they knew of 20 years ago. Yeah. In in the sense of, no, I, I mean, I, let me explain this bit very, very carefully uh, for anyone who's listening. In the sense that there are some people who, who really struggle with the idea about trans stuff, who they will then look and say, because the Wachowskis have transitioned from male to female, that they are not the same people. They, they really seem to struggle with that. Whereas it strikes me that actually one of the underlying messages of the Matrix all along is that actually that person was always there. That person is still there. Those you know, they are still the same person. There's nothing at all that, that is different. Well, I think you can look at Agent Smith. Or Smith mm. that way is well, the upgraded that, version. That's that's not the same Smith that you know we knew from before. It's yeah. a com- it's a completely different Smith, but it is the same. A little bit too perfect, don't you think? Yeah, you know. So you can draw parallels with that. Um, yeah. Are any of us the same though? I mean, there, there was that. Uh, there's a couple of comments about Neo. About how you know, I mean, obviously he's got older. I wasn't sure about him with the long hair and the beard, but you oh, know. I think that's the the John Wick. You know, I think he's making a new John Wick movie, and he wasn't allowed to cut his hair. <laughs> no, because he he does still appear completely bald at points in this. You know, the all the hair is gone, I, and yeah, I mean they can put stuff on, but the, there is that 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 sort of uncertainty. There's a point where Trinity actually asks, like, "What if I'm not that person anymore?" Yeah. Um. What if that isn't me? What if I've changed? We all change. If we were to look at photographs of us back in 1999, whenever this film hits, the first film hit cinemas, we are not those people. I had hair. <laughs> I me too. Believe, I don't believe that. Me too. Like, like, oh, you know what I mean? like, yeah, completely. <laughs> nobody, nobody stays in stasis. There's a, there's a conversation about Morpheus. that's actually quite interesting in this regard in that mm. he, so, um, Niobe is our new general in charge of everything in kind of reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, just a shout to that character who is woefully underlooked and such a flipping kick-ass character throughout all the films. I really like that character. Anyway, that's a complete sidebar. But she says... Jada Pinkett Smith's Niobe? Yeah, I really, I really, really like that character. I just think she's a bit badass. I love it. Uh, especially, especially in the third one when she's flying that ship. Yeah, like, like, I think this I think is, she's a real underappreciated character the whole way along. But in, yeah. in Resurrections, when they talk about, um, they're talking about Morpheus and what happened to him, the Morpheus that we 
knew. Mm-hmm. She talks about how he wouldn't progress. Because in reality now, it's no longer humanity versus machines. Mm-hmm. Machines and humanity are working together mm-hmm. to create a new togetherness and a new world uh, in reality. Um, but Morpheus was so hung up on the idea of the one that it consumed him and, and took him to his end. And it's like, there are those people who just stick with one position on certain things, whatever it is, if it's religion, it's politics, um, all those things. And they just stay there and they refuse to move because it's all, all they choose to believe in. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they can't see there's, there's no fluidity to them at all. Um, and I think, again, I think there's just all these little pockets of, of hints and nods to all of this within the film. I think it's, I think it's really, really clever. I was just thinking there about, um, the whole Alice in Wonderland thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, the, uh, what do you call it? The analyst? Mm -hmm. He's definitely the queen. Like. (laughs) <laughs> off with their heads you know and then in the real world real world um all the sentinels come down and you know try and get them and things like that you know mm-hmm. um that the, whole the, through the looking glass thing as well like they're jumping through mirrors and in and out of rabbit holes and things like that it's we we talked about another film fairly recently, didn't we? That was that was playing on this about the Alice in Wonderland stuff, and I can't remember which one it was. Labyrinth. Labyrinth. Mm. So yeah. Uh, listening back to that just the, the other day, um, our podcast on it. Uh, very aware about, and, and again, it's that whole thing. We come back to this this question about what's real and what's fake. And I, it it struck me actually after we record after after we did our our conversation the other day that, um. In terms of film, in particular, we are already talking about worlds of fakery. I mean, the whole filmic process is about, uh, uh, within fiction film in particular, is about creating a construct. It's about making up a whole world that we then buy into and believe. Yeah. Um, we've, we've talked about this before. I mean, Ben and I on set for Game of Thrones, like you walk onto the set and suddenly you are in... Westeros, there is no question about it. You know, you realize that if you go to the other side of the wall, you'll see a pile of scaffolding and it is fake. Yeah. But once you go to the other side of the scaffold, you're immersed in that world and you completely believe. If someone gives you a sword and you're like, yep, dad, I'm here. I'm real. Yeah. This whatever, is all believable. <laughs> whatever, I mean, whatever you're watching should draw you in. Yeah. It should pull you in. So the biggest mistake I ever made was to watch the DVD extras on my Matrix DVD. Uh-huh. And see how all the stunt work was done. Like uh-huh. you, you know, you know, like when a magician does a trick. Yeah, that, that illusion is taken away <laughs> yeah, from you, and you're like, it's completely taken away. It's yeah, like, yeah. And it looks like the most basic thing, but in the moment, uh-huh. it looks you're so blown away by it. I watched the the DVD extras on my Matrix DVD, and I was like, oh. Okay. That's disappointing. <laughs> That's really upsetting. There's just like a fella going, right, Keanu needs to go up, does he? All right. <laughs> like that? Do you know, like... I, I don't know. I mean, for me, it doesn't... 
what what it makes me do is marvel at the creation process even more that they're able that this stuff in that time that i'm watching the stuff it looks so amazing and i am still able even films i know how they're done on on the couple of productions I've, I've i've actually worked on that i've been on set for i'm able to watch those films and still be completely immersed in that world and that i suppose is a filmic experience but what it does is it creates this other level of artifice so essentially you've got a film that's about a battle between reality and fiction and in terms of a filmic construct they're all fake and even the real world the, the supposed real world we know as viewers is a construct of fiberglass and cgi it is not a real world either the real world mm-hmm. that they come into is not a real world it's a it's a fictional fictional thing but we're able to buy into that and apart the world from, apart from who framed roger rabbit which i believe is a documentary <laughs> We'll get into Neil's Jessica Rabbit fixation in a future episode. <laughs> um, but it, th- there is something there about that, I think, in terms of like where we draw lines. I mean, in terms of our own worlds. I mean, Ben, you've already picked up on the social media aspect and the criticisms and the observations that are being made within the film about that. Oh, yeah, well, I, I don't think it's just on social media as well. Like, I, this idea has just popped into my head. Like, the whole thing with lockdown yeah and being stuck in a little pod a jelly pod running on a treadmill doing the same thing every day day in day out like i think that you can take that from this movie as well you know this whole lockdown thing and being isolated and it's scarily prescient doesn't it i mean yeah the heck? i mean like this this presumably that wasn't rewritten in terms of what has happened, that had to be influenced by what was going on in now nowadays. I, I'm I'm not a hundred percent certain how uh, highly into production that was was added in, because um, this film was in production before lockdown. Yeah, um, before the pandemic hit properly. So it's it's definitely a strange strange thing, but it does it does feel very much like it's commenting on what's happening now. Yeah. Um, is, I mean, that not, I, is that not because that's what we bring to it as well? Our lived experience is what we bring to the film so we can see those things. Ab- absolutely. Um, I mean, that that's true of any cinema experience that we mm. have, any film experiences that we are always influenced by our own experiences. We project, um, particularly when films working well, we project our lives onto that. We're trying to find characters that we can identify with or we're trying to find moments that we can, we can gel with. Um, but the same way, I've I've made this observation before. If you watch two films back to back, that will influence how you view each of the films because you're not just watching a film isolated. Everything we see is in context of something else, yeah. which is why sometimes you'll watch a film and you're really into it, but you might watch it in our time and you really can't get into it at all um, because either something else has happened or you're in a state of mind or you've seen something else that happens to change how you perceive it. Uh, it, it is a it is a it is a strange strange thing. Um, there's a few other clues I think that are laid in this in terms of what is real and what isn't real and about our, our perception of it. I noticed like going into it very early on there's, there's a few kind of giveaways that the whole thing's faked um, you know like he's, he's sitting staring out I mean apart from the Simulate Cafe which is a great pun but does sound rather like a, somewhere you'd find in a game Um, there's the whole thing about it's it's it's, it's there's a line where he's talking to the 
um, to his boss, to, to Smith, before Smith is revealed as Smith. Um, looking outside at San Francisco and it's like, it's so, it's, it's so perfect, it's got to be fake. Which I kind of had kind of glossed over first time around, second time around, I'm like, yeah, it's fake, it's all fake, it's never that perfect. Well, there's really. even the, even the guy Jude. Yes. Well, like, you know, he was like, I was brought up by machines. Yep, I, I was the next line I was going to come to. I was raised by machines. Yeah, is, yeah. So, also, yeah, which yeah. I missed first time round. Yeah, me like, too. Me too. <laughs> you like, then I'm like, it. He's he's a handler, of course. I mean, there's there's the one hand which is a comment on the fact that we grew up now in a, in a generation. We're in a world where, as you've already said, Ben, like you know, kids are are, are screen based. I mean, it's not that kids live on screens, but you know, the, the, their education is all screen based. But we are brought up on machines yeah. in a way that. I think the three of us weren't. I, mean, yeah. I think Ben was maybe a little bit more than me, but yeah, I was definitely a little bit more than you. But even then, like from when technology has really started to move, like technology mm. moved really quickly. Yeah, like from you know, I remember the first time that the computer got brought into the house. You know, um, mm. and then to what we've got now, like. That's a really short space of time. Even you think about dial-up and then the technology evolved from dial-up to, yeah. which can be, you know, drawn in from, you know, Wi-Fi. We can connect to Wi-Fi anywhere we go, which I suppose can also be drawn from this movie. You know, they used to have to run to a telephone box. Now, now they can do whatever and, and connect, you know, drop in and out wherever they so choose like wi-fi we're always connected um we've got internet wherever wherever we go uh you know so yeah um this is crazy um deus ex machina um is a a phrase i think we should probably address as well neil you you had the description for me before we were were doing the pod there (laughs) yeah so uh because the, the gaming company, well, the gaming company is not called Deus Ex Machina. The gaming company that Mr. Anderson works for is Deus Machina, mm-hmm. which is something that I didn't really take in the first time around. So yeah. what happens? Oh, is, is ben, ben is just showing us the screen. There was that Deus Ex. Deus Ex, a game. Mm. Yeah, it's a game. The idea of what's it the idea of the, the idea of god god within the machine but the the definition i find is a person or thing that is ex machina yeah a person or thing that appears or is introduced into a situation suddenly and unexpectedly unexpectedly sorry and provides an artificial or contrived solution to an apparently insolvable difficulty mm-hmm. every interview that i have heard keanu Reeves and carrie Ann moss do for this movie the first thing that any interviewer says to them is, at the end of uh, Matrix Revolutions, you were both dead. So how are we here? And the answer is, Deus Ex Machina. <laughs> the whole thing is contrived to bring them back. Like it's there, like there's a blooming light up sign, which is lit green <laughs> underneath. Like there's there's green like up lighters yeah. in the and offices which i only twigged on to this time around that's how you escape the the seemingly inescapable problem is deus ex machina or 
in the gaming term. Yeah. Yes, Macken. Um, like there, that's that's why we're saying earlier, everything is in there for a specific reason. Is it simulate or stimulate? It's sim sim simulate. 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 I thought it was stimulate. I, I even which, which is a which is a really good coffee pun. Yeah, in itself. In itself. Um, but yeah, can, can we get away with doing that? Cinepunk like stimulate cafes. Stimulate cafes. Watch a film. Have a coffee. Put on movie nights. Have, have a chat. <laughs> <laughs> we should. Um, but yeah, that whole that whole construct exists to get them out of the problem of having a fourth film. And then there's the lovely moment where they sit around and they do the focus group about <laughs> writing this this fictional fourth game. Mm-hmm. And what is it about it? And it's about, it's about some, the some of that Some of that really annoys me. But I did appreciate the Scottish guy's T-shirt with the Joust, the Joust T-shirt. Is it a popular game? Is it? It's it's a game that came out in the Sega. Um, oh, okay. So I still have a copy of it. Yeah, it's a great wee game. All, all those explanations of what the Matrix was, is, and should be. Oh. And I was like, did they did they just lift a load of comments from Reddit? <laughs> Do you know, like, did, like I was like, but, have you actually gone and lifted stuff? That people have said because they get into this, they do actually genuinely have a discussion around well the matrix is all about cryptocurrency and crypto fascism and mm-hmm. so it's a, a no it's all about a it's an anti-capitalist thing and no it's about the the trans thing and they do all that within it i mean it's very clearly a self-aware moment about the fandom that is built up over it and the conversations that have that have, have been facilitated over the years um, I mean that meta element is is sort of the the, the bit that almost pulls me out, um, because it's just it's just so knowing and so self aware, and a bit a bit uh, even the parent company for for the the gaming companies Warner Brothers, Warner like, Brothers yeah. <laughs> and they have the conversation about like um, they said we they would do it Who, with or without us. Yeah, yeah. You're like, is it? Is this actually the conversation that you had? I mean, I mean, it's it's it's, it's fair enough. Uh, I mean, one of one of the things I kind of having my my schoolboy Latin, if I can remember it enough. Mm. I think there's a subtle difference as well, though, within the rather than Deus Ex Machina, which is the God from the Machine, the Deus Machina sounds more like God Machine. Mm. You know, you're removing the from. Um, which is also a kind of a very self-aware fact that this company is the is the creator of worlds. I mean, that's what a god does. Yeah. So it's it's it. I mean, everything is very clearly labeled as as this means something. This means something. This means something. This is what we're our construct is. And to um, to go back, just sorry to him as the kind of savior. They make mm. him in this the creator. Mm-hmm. You know. So th- there's an interesting <sighs> there's an interesting line across there where he is the creator uh he being neo mr anderson he is the the Mm. creator of worlds he is the the god if you choose to use that language and the whole way through the original trilogy he was the designated savior well i mean it's 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 a i mean that itself is is very definitely on the christian trinity isn't it you know where you've got the, the the three we we need the film where Neo's a ghost then, really, to make everything yeah completely 
But is that not Morpheus? That's what I was going to say. <laughs> Morpheus is the ghost. Is he? I suppose he is. Uh, but then Morpheus isn't the Christ. If Morpheus is the John the Baptist figure, he can't also be the Christ. Ah, uh, that's true. Yeah, we, we're not going to cast him in our nativity. <laughs> 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 but then, I mean, but but Trinity's nature is so we, we we. I mean, this this pod has gone on considerably longer than I thought it might. So apologies to <laughs> listeners. Sorry, who got one of our rare epics. Um, Trinity herself, though. I mean, apart from the fact that her name is a giveaway as to the religious allegory of the whole films. <laughs> she's literally called Trinity. Um, we talked a little bit about her being a, a kind of a, another about her role within this. I mean, is she the one? Clearly, she's an important part of the narrative. Any any thoughts or any jumping off points for conversation on that one? I uh, I read an article, um, and if if I can find it again, I'll send you it so we can put it in like show notes or whatever. Mm. Um, but it was a very dismissive article, um, quite well written but very blunt. Mm-hmm. Um, and it talked about the the feminization of these returning intellectual properties using using Matrix Resurrections as an example, also using Star Wars, mm. and also because the internet just will not leave it alone. The twenty sixteen <laughs> Ghostbusters, bloody good film. Um, enjoyed that I, yeah anyway let's not go down that wormhole they, but it Dr. basically was an article which said that all they are doing is they are moving films into the idea the idea of a feminist film now is you make the same film but you make all the male characters you watched women yeah so in the context of the matrix film they turn uh trinity into the one at the end because that's what this this like has there ever been well i was going to say a broader brush but it might be an incredibly narrow brush Mm. drawn across uh, across a point like i i kind of read it in disbelief and i kind of went you didn't watch the same film i did no no there's I mean, lots. There's lots. They're of they're one do. together, though. Well, yeah. the, I mean, first of all, I think there's I think there's something valid that in in the argument that says that if 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 all you are doing in your film is switching the genders around, that is not. Um, I mean, that actually it probably is a quite a poor attempt at feminine yeah. at, at being a feminist film. That that is literally uh, that feels to me like lip service because the whole narrative structure and messaging should change. It's not enough just to have a, a female lead. It, it was an article that kind of pointed to that, but it also kind of more widely went down the, well, you turn all my favorite characters into women. Uh, which, which is in the context of the matrix is obviously fascinating because of our, 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 our you know, the trans issues that are within there. I mean, it, so to that, that, that is, that is, we'll start with a, a point is, is Trinity the one? Ben, you just said something about this. I said, well, the the point that the movie makes, well, what I read from it is they're the one together. Like, they they can't be, they're more powerful together. Um, 
them apart. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, uh, I think it's their their love for each other or whatever. Um, soppy crap. Like that. <laughs> um, <clears throat> you know, I I don't get I, I don't get why um it is that way. Mm. Um, I, I find. I was going to say, I find that kind of fascinating uh, in the sense that there is one actual relationship we see on screen in this film, and it is the one between Neo and Trinity. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it is presented as a traditional heterosexual relationship. And I find that fascinating because if you're talking about lefty wokey bollocks, <laughs> that is not the relationship that you then expect to see on screen. Mm. If this was a lefty wokey film, they would the central characters would not be a standard heterosexual relationship. Yeah, true. Neil, I I think there's actually there's there's breadcrumbs the whole way along when you when you see, um, in the first film, uh, she saves him when he gets shot. Mm-hmm. In the second film. She, he sees he saves her, her and reaches yeah. like inside to remove the bullet that she gets shot with. She is having these dreams, uh, particularly in the second movie and in this movie, of things, prophecies, to, prophecies things to come. And I'm mm. like, how can she be doing that if this is all a computer program? How can you see the program ahead? Mm-hmm. How do you do that? In the third one, there is a moment of sacrifice where he is completely blinded she flies into machine city they crash and she is like that is a moment of of sacrifice um they are intertwined in a way that you may not appreciate watching the films individually but when you have done the three back to back like i did and then watched this twice there is a moment where you go of course yeah. Of course. This has been here the whole blooming time. And now you get to the end of this fourth film and basically they go ta-da <laughs> in a in a brilliant moment. And I, I love just, that su- Superman moment. Yeah. You know, with Trinity at the end. She fly you know, uh with the analyst and they somehow that like, big explosion happens and then she flies down and I all I just see is Superman. Yeah. There's a moment like, where before, when they are doing the very, very, which I still don't quite understand, they're doing the very complicated unplugging of her from her uh, cell mm-hmm. in the machine and plugging mm-hmm. bugs in, and they are kind of switching bodies. Yeah. There is a moment in that where her body kind of expands out and the Trinity's body in the Matrix expands out several times she lets out a yell and the analyst has this look of oh shit mm-hmm. and I don't think that's a moment of her being free within the machine world I think that's a moment of the analyst going oh it's all unlocked now everything's done now they then connect hands across the crowd there is an explosion there is a massive mm-hmm. um what we haven't talked about is Neo's wonderful ability to do the old Ken and Ryu Hadoukens in this movie. <laughs> um, but there's that on an epic scale. 
and they blow apart the crowd and it's just the two of them and the connection is made That's, again. Isn't it a Michelangelo fresco where you've got the two fingers that are coming God together? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is that not like um is that not like Adam and, and God or whatever? Oh, this is I should I should have done my research on this one and tried to remember all the things you know when you're younger that you forget <laughs> as your brain gets old. Um, I think uh, I think that just those that that hint has always been there, mm-hmm. and I think that it's something that only yeah you're right, Ben. It's the creation of Adam. Yeah, um, it, and it is Michelangelo. It gets revealed, and in a standalone. Mm. Uh, film. If you take Matrix Resurrections as a standalone film, terrible idea. Don't yeah, do it. But it's what? it's, watch it's a all? jarring it's a jarring moment. Uh huh. But if you watch the flow of the four together, yeah, I think it it's not as big a shock as like if I hadn't have done the rewatch of the first three films and then went to the cinema and mm. just watched this on its own, I'd be like, why have they done that? That's strange. Because. Yeah. My friend watched this, and I don't know if he rewatched the first three before watching the fourth one. Mm. But he was like, "Don't waste your time; it's it's rubbish." I've watched it twice now, and mm. it's pretty good. It's definitely I, not rubbish. Definitely. No, no, it's I, definitely not rubbish. I I didn't expect to to get as much out of it as I have. That I mean, for me, I think the two characters is not just that they they kind of um are important to each other and they have a, a sort of symbiotic relationship and i'm assuming as well that that in itself is is part of the i'm assuming and i'm, I'm sure somebody else can point me to to some some copy on this that that is central to this whole issue about the the, the trans relationship and allegory um but there's this wonderful moment after they've connected in the matrix where they're back on the ship and the two of them are see each other in the flesh, mm. really, for the first time in years. And the two of them are standing there, and they are the same person. You look at how they are dressed with their their, their shaven heads, and the <laughs> easels clean shaven. They're wearing the same tatty clothes. They have very similar kind of builds in this moment. And it's like you realize that there's a there's an androgyny about it. Um, about both of them. I mean, the, yeah. there is a a a. a, a like a mirroring that is going on within the two of them and you realize that i mean for me in that moment in, in that moment watching that i feel that the gender constructs completely are, are meaningless i feel that the idea of them as being separate people is sort of meaningless and that you realize that it does take the two of them together and then they're watched by this kind of like group of disciples who are sitting looking at them and going oh aren't they cute they're together this is how it should be Give them a bone. Um, I don't know. There's just other stuff at play. And I feel that, you know, you have this conversation with somebody else. You watch this film again and there's going to be more stuff that just gets teased out every single time. Um, There's there's two more things I want to kind of touch on before we wrap up this conversation. We're going to have to wrap it up because we can't talk all day as much as the two of you want to. Mm -hmm. Um, There's two things that we mentioned in our conversation the other day I want to come back to. Uh, one is the the notion of the uh, the zombies. Mm-hmm. So, zombies in this film. Yeah. Um, the, the last the last uh, kind of big action sequence of this film made me think of 
zombie films and I, th- I think primarily because of how it is shot so when it's all kicking off which is the technical term um at the end of this film um, oh they use it in hollywood all the time kicking off yeah when it's all kicking off at the end of this film um they the system activates uh what it has referred to on several occasions a swarm mode mm-hmm. which means it basically and simultaneously infects every person uh within the simulation and sends them to kill a chosen subject or remove a remove a problem um and that's the point where it becomes a zombie film because is it not the bots i think it's the bots there's a mention of the because bots. because if it was everyone obviously not the people that are hooked up um you know because there was that uh the bit when your man jumps out the window yeah. and he's in bed with the woman she's like no She's a real person that's hooked up to the Matrix, but I think he's a bot. Yeah. Okay. Right. Because the the way they said, you know, um, their way of getting around planting or you know having agents was to put, bots in. Make, put all these bots everywhere and just clothe them as normal people, and then they can flip the switch and and they do their bidding. Has this just undermined what you were about to say, Neil? No. Um, <laughs> No, it has just kept it accurate. <laughs> um, it, but the, well, all the bots appear mm-hmm. and are are very zombie like in mm. how they. Well, they are and they aren't in terms of how they move. I mean, there has been a debate for a long time about how quickly does a zombie move in zombie films. Um, you know. How, well, you've got the walkers and you, you've got the sprinters. Yeah, it's it's, it's slowly. I'm not I'm not a modern zombie <laughs> film person. Yeah, are you not a you not an infected kind of person? You know, I think oh. I think the infected are way got. more terrifying than a slow. No, I see. I'm I'm part of that that hair and the tortoise kind of mentality, which is like you know you 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 basically <laughs> whenever you got a slow infection thing, slow terror. Yeah, but but people also get complacent because they think, ah, sure, I've got half an hour before they get here. <laughs> but what you've done is like, while you're watching that guy trundling up for half an hour, there's somebody comes along behind you and then gets you and you're least expecting it. Mm. Or they've bitten your friend who doesn't say. Always say, come on. <laughs> Just Always check. But the, so, yeah, we, we end up in a zombie movie increasingly because of how it's how it's shot, how it looks, everybody becomes kind of faceless. It's more kind of silhouettes chasing you than it is, than it feels actual people or bots. Mm-hmm. It, um, yeah, and it just to go back to um, what Ben was saying earlier about the, the technology, this this for me was a bit of a, of a metaphor for social media pylons. <laughs> particularly when they start throwing themselves out of windows into the street to try and stop them because it's like these people are trying to do something different in our world get them and they just start coming from everywhere and on top of them and boom you know from cars and in the buses and, and and every every shape um and they also in terms of the zombie thing they're very um 
they seem to want to just rip apart those that are in there, you know, mm-hmm. Neo, Trinity, all those other ship captains that travel into the Matrix for this last mission. They, they don't seem to want to, like, capture them. No. They just mm. seem to want to get them and then just rip them apart. And it's quite it's quite violent in... Um, you just turn into feral beasts yeah there's there's a couple of sequences where they are on top of the cars trying to get into a couple of the characters who forgive me that is one thing about the film there's there's some of those characters that are very forgettable and very um those crew members who i can't for the life of me think of their names um but they're trying to get some of those they're coming in through the car windows it's very violent you see her in the chair and the blood coming from her mouth and it is you know, there's a certain amount of distress there, um, mm-hmm. and vi- violence. Um, so yeah, it it does become a a bit of a zombie thing, or similar to. I don't know what you think, but similar. Oh yeah, it's definitely similar to a zombie thing. It's it's similar to any zombie game. Like I I play a game called Days Gone, and there's hordes of zombies that just trundle along you know looking for the re meal and then they spot the meal and they bolt at you and you you're like very gentle <laughs> you're like oh shit i need to get out of here before i get annihilated by a hundred zombies you know that's that's what this felt like to me at the end anyway and then and then the whole jumping out a window which really like the first time i seen that like you see a wee a wee glimmer of it and when mm-hmm. when Trinity's telling you about the flashback or or the mm-hmm. dream that she has, you're like, wait, did that, was it? Because initially I thought that was Neo or someone getting dumped into that car. Mm. I didn't realize that that was some like a you know a bot uh, in swarm mode um, that had just jumped out a window and hit that car. You know, it's quite gruesome when you think about it. I, I mean, for me, that just reminded me of the footage from 9-11 um, mm. with people jumping out of, of, of the World Trade Towers as Blaine yeah. said, which, you know, for a while after was such a, a taboo kind of area to go into. Mm. But that was also very much part of the times in which these films came out first time around. Mm. Um, you know, and... Well, even, even um, whenever they're on the roof... Mm-hmm. Like I think the whole thing about the people jumping out of that, the you know, the world trade was they wanted to go on their terms, not to be taken by fire or whatever. Um, yeah, and desperation and everything. yeah, I mean, yeah, and and then you've got Trinity and Neo on the roof, and they're like, right, mm-hmm. well, we're either going to fly or we're going to fall, mm-hmm. but at least they'll be on our terms. Mm-hmm. And they jump, they make that leap of faith. Mm-hmm. Um. You know. Do you remember how you got here? You've lost your capacity to discern reality from fiction. What's real is here and now. 6.28 p.m. Anything else is just your mind playing tricks on you. It becomes a problem fantasies and dangerous we don't want anyone to get hurt do we one other thing i, I kind of want to touch on um 
Neil made an observation out there about Zion and Io. It's it's always interesting to me in these films when when things are given particular names. Um, mm. So they humanity no longer lives in Zion in this film. They live in Io, Io, um, which is kind of a reductive um, Zion in that. In one way, all you're doing is chopping off the Z and the N. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also, <laughs> there is also, because when this happens, of course, what, do, what does Neil do? Neil goes to Google. Um, and <laughs> there, is, there is within Greek mythology, Zeus falls in love with a human woman. I owe the car. Yeah. Yeah. So his wife, Zeus's wife, becomes Error. jealous of this love. Yeah. Zeus turns Io into a cow, and his wife sends a fly to attack, the, to bite this cow every day of its life. And I went, okay, that's interesting, but I can't make any connection to that in terms of the story, as interesting mm. as it. Because I love a wee bit of Greek mythology. Always oh, uh, yeah. Yep, yep. Um, I'm with you there, yeah. 100%. So, but then I went, right, well, if we're talking about binary, if we're doing the reduction thing, and he's designing this game called Binary, and we're talking about binary choices, maybe it's not I-O. Maybe it's, it's a one, one zero and a zero. Yeah, yeah. Which is par on, par off. You know, even like you think of your kettle at home, mm-hmm. like that's mm-hmm. how it's written, I-O mm-hmm. on your kettle. Um, it's another, it's another binary mm-hmm. within a film and a, and a collection of films that is talking about binary choices. Mm-hmm. And the binary this time is that, that perhaps... Perhaps can you tell? I'm just kind of like just like working this out. I'm I'm intrigued to see. I mean, I can hear the the cogs working away. So, so go new, ahead. The new binary that exists within this city is that the machines are now part of it. Mm-hmm. And another part of the new binary that exists within this there there is a there is a through line of uh, food in this film mm-hmm. that I find quite interesting. And in terms of technology as well, one of the binaries that exists in this new city is that they're not quite sure what they want to be Mm -hmm. because they're not, they're not a fully human city. They're not a fully mechanized city. Mm. And part of what they're doing as part of working in conjunction with machinery now is they are trying to recreate food that exists within the matrix Mm -hmm. because food only really has a taste within the matrix if you think back to, um, if you think back mm. to Cipher sitting in the first movie eating that steak and having a conversation about going, I know this doesn't <clears> taste <throat> of anything, but God, it feels good. Yeah. <laughs> also, by the way, Neo eats a steak very and early chips. on when he's going yep. through his um, mental episode, his mental episode and his Groundhog Day sequence very early on in the film as well. <laughs> yeah. So there's a steak thing there. Then you get to Io, and you're sitting with this recreation of strawberries because they're trying to capture the flavor of something which didn't exist in the first place 
That's interesting. It's a very, it's a very interesting way of I think I think that whole city is built on we're not really sure what this is yet. It's like a it's almost like a halfway house between the two worlds. It's neither on or off. Yeah. It's in a so it's Io, it's sitting in the middle. Yeah. Well, I mean, for them to have like the, the both the animals. I did it. I got a theory. Hey, <laughs> uh, for to have the creatures and the you know the the robots and the people living side by side. I mean, it can't be a, a, an either or. It can't be a binary existence. Yeah, because binary is a choice. It's and a purple pill. It's a purple pill. It's a purple pill. Yeah. But the other thing that struck me about the symbolism of that is like removing the the Z, the Z and the N from the name meant that you've given this new beginning and new end. I kind of, this is where I was going with this the other day. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Um, is that actually you've, you've, you've redefined it by removing it, it, it in, in terms of a creation story, in terms of like a looping narrative and a treadmill and stuff. I wonder, is that also part of that choice? Part of the, the, the creative choice about the films, about the message that it's trying to give us, and also in terms of an evangelical uh, kind of theological perspective. Yeah. You know, alphas and omegas, beginnings and ends, God creatures, there has to be a just a constant. Well, look, gents. Yeah, I mean, I, how, do we feel we have explored uh, sufficient matrix territory today? Yeah, I'm think, happy with it. I think we've explored enough for listener tolerance levels. <laughs> well, we've explored I think, enough I think to spark a conversation that we could we could go on and on about. But I think, for the sake of anybody listening, I think maybe this is the point where we unplug. We, we may have found a film that actually has this, this occasionally happens um where you find a film that that prompts far more conversation than you expect it to yeah. and i think matrix resurrections has been one of those ones that we went in with very mixed expectations and it has stimulated far more debate on and off off recording um than than any of us expected uh, and i hope that people give it the chance and that if you've watched any of the matrix films that you go in and you give it a go and and see where you you feel about it yourselves yeah. Don't don't let the algorithm put you off. Sometimes I feel the algorithm of social media pushes the negative to the top. Um, oh, which again is something that gets commented on about uh, feelings. They're so much easier to control than facts. The analyst says yeah. that yeah. at some yeah. point. And I think that's a bit of a social media thing too, where the negativity around this film will push it up your social media feed a little bit more than the positivity thing and I think there's mm. far more positive things and um, intuitive things to be said about this film than quite simply mm, the made a woman <laughs> don't like it one star letterbox <laughs> I think it's a good movie um and it's well worth a watch, but I would say watch the other ones um, before you watch it because it'll take you on a wee ride. I, I'm, I'm not going to bet her it'll take you on a wee ride in the way that Ben just said that. <laughs> it's like the most Northern Irish thing to, to kind of comment. Um, gents, thank you very much for, for joining me and for listeners and watchers at home. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed this. 
Um, so this this is Cinepunks. Uh, if, if, if you got anything out of any of our stuff, uh, do hit the subscribe button. Do comment to us on social media. You'll find us across uh, different platforms. Uh, we're on YouTube's, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and also on our website www.cinepunked.com. Uh, we'll catch us again very very soon. Until then, adios. Bye bye.